0: And the movie Geeks United, everybody. It's Blu ray night, so we'll be discussing the April release schedule. Hey Adam.
1: Hello, everybody.
0: Uh I did see something, man. I've been watching a lot of movies. I'm pretty much caught up with uh, two thousand eighteen movies. Uh and mm-hmm. it's coming on May of twenty nineteen now.
1: <laughs> but
0: uh You're getting there. Yeah, yeah. But I did see Vox Lux. Which I I kind of felt. Uh, all right, I'll watch this movie. It's interesting topic, mm-hmm. I guess. And man, I loved it. I like really loved it. And uh, I, I know it's kind of uh, it's kind of opaque. Uh, it's not a movie that a lot of people would likely talk about, and they didn't. But because um, it's got it's got a, kind of an artsy side to it, it uh, I was like, why didn't Natalie Portman get very much attention for this? I mean, I know she's only in it for an hour. But uh, she is so fully consumed in that character. I thought it was the best that she's been since Black Swan and may, maybe even better. Mm.
2: Um,
0: and I thought the themes of the movie, it was one of the, you know, I can never be a critic because you got to review everything. And I don't have a lot to say about everything. It's got to be a movie that I feel like I have a particular feel for that I can express something about it, that, Maybe somebody can get something out of it because it will enrich it or make them mm-hmm. see it in a different way. I felt that about Vox Lux. I'm saying it right, right? Vox Lux. Yeah, um,
2: I believe so.
0: I felt like it was a movie that really dealt with what we talk about all the time, which is why are you, why are you making movies about stupid shit? There's so much going on in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, I thought that was what Vox Lux was actually about. By telling the story of the the girl who's involved in a school shooting when she she survives it, she becomes a major pop star and she's kind of lost in fame because she never fully dealt with the trauma of what she experienced as a child and her fame comes as a direct result of that trauma and she makes uh, EDM, you know, she makes trance music and there's there's a reason why it's trance music because it removes her and her audience from reality. It it puts tragedy in kind of a pop culture filter and it mm-hmm. disconnects you from it. Sure. Uh, and, you know, and, and there's so that that's the kind of the overall general theme of it. I think how we don't deal with things. We just kind of, it's just part of the everyday swarm of media that that we watch trance like but it doesn't get in i thought that, that was a really unique approach uh so i you know i'd like to write something about it cuz it really did move me and i but i can't say i, com- I completely 100% under- uh, understand the implications of some of the stuff no nor do i know if the filmmaker actually was smart enough to have every beat in the movie mean something. I yeah. don't know. But there's a, lot of, there's a lot of meat on that bone, I think. Mm-hmm. It's a movie that I'll be unwrapping for a while, I, I think. And I, I'd never heard anybody talk about that movie. On the significance of these upcoming
1: arena performances for you personally, uh, you're kicking things off in your hometown.
3: This is a culmination of my life's work so far. You know, we worked on it for two years before bringing it to the public.
1: Uh, why, why two years?
3: Well, the year before that, I was under a lot of stress after my accident. And it's an expensive show to put on. I, I I, wanted to make sure all the best people became available. You know, I wanted all my best dancers back. With the
1: decision to kick things off in New Brighton, you must have considered the event like a, like a homecoming resurgence since the accident and the arrest for uh, causing serious injury by dangerous injury, driving. Injury,
3: not serious injury. And I never stopped making music, so I don't consider it a resurgence. You know, I just wanted a place to channel all that anxiety and suffering into something tangible, into something positive.
1: hmm Well, then can you shed any light on why that case was abruptly dropped?
3: I what you're doing.
1: <laughs> no, well, you brought it up. I'm, I'm not
3: gonna say abruptly anything, okay? Listen, there are three classifications of gunshot wounds to the spine. I'm type 3, which means that the bullet is lodged in my intervertebral disc space. Now, type 3 injuries are further subdivided into A, spinal injury without perforation of abdominal viscera, and B, spinal lesions with perforation of abdominal organs. Now, thankfully, I'm type A, but it's no secret that I'm on meds for my injury, and I never should have been behind the wheel of a car that night.
1: Yeah, it came and went so fast. I remember uh last fall and I had a desire to see it. Uh, just reading the ad copy on it and uh the press releases, I thought, hmm that sounds interesting and um so it's i trust your opinion, so it's good to get some confirmation that it might be something that I would need to seek out because I It's I very interesting on my radar.
0: because the first hour of the movie is her as an adolescent, so a different actress plays her as a teenager. Mhm. Then it's not until an hour into the movie that Natalie Portman shows up. And Natalie Portman has a teenage daughter that that same actress plays.
2: Uh Uh-huh, yeah. uh,
0: So it's like this mirror thing, and at the end of it, after you know Natalie Portman's journey and she's performing in concert, the actual younger version of herself who plays her daughter is out in the audience watching her. There's... Hmm. I mean, it's it's... And it's strangely done in places. There's some... There's some real kind of strange touches, and the score is just amazingly upsetting. Uh, watch it, because I'd be fascinated to know what you th- what you think of it.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll have to uh, I'll have to make that a priority. Definitely, most definitely.
2: Do it. <laughs> yeah. Get to the chopper. I,
1: huh? I shall do it. Yeah. All right, man. Thanks for the, uh, the right. recommendation there. And uh yes we are aware of the Avengers being in release this weekend but uh <laughs> nothing we could say about it or not would uh would dissuade people or persuade them to see it so we're going to just remain mum on that i think
0: uh <laughs> I thought it was I thought it was funny I mean the big news about Avengers and this is this is another thing that we always talk about like the ultimate goal for public consumption is how much money is it going to make uh and it made one point two billion dollars. It's been out in China mm-hmm. for five days or whatever, and yeah, so it's beat records right and left. And a lot of people said, "Oh, it's go- it's going to be the first one to reach a billion dollars uh, because that was the big uh, the watershed." What number that hasn't hasn't been reached yet
2: for opening right
0: And it opened in every every territory, you know, um, at once. So Sasha Stone posted well this morning she said, Well, it looks like I was spot on with my prediction of nine hundred million dollars. I was like, hmm. Well, yeah, you're only three hundred million dollars off, but okay. <laughs> uh yeah, yeah, yeah. Margin uh, of error, three hundred million dollars.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, anyway.
1: Yeah, that's uh that yeah that I you know it, like you said it's all about the uh, the numbers that they're trying to reach as opposed to the and you know not all the reviews of this movie have been glowing I mean there's there's quite a few uh, that have been but uh, and it's a high percentage of them but there you know, there there are some legitimate critics who who aren't um, some well known critics like Katie Walsh who were kind of lukewarm. I think Entertainment Weekly gave it a B plus, Katie Walshy gave it two stars. I think they're so you know, and um I just Yeah, uh, at at their peril. Yeah, uh, oh yeah, the fan the the fanboys are just gonna just massacre them. Uh, to the point where they're getting death threats. Uh you know, I'm I'm pretty friendly with Mara Reinstein on Twitter and when Aqu- Aquaman came out she gave it a negative review and it was just atrocious, uh, some of the things that were that were going going on to the point where I kind of jumped in and defended her a little bit, and then they started coming after me because I yeah. had the temerity to defend Mara's opinions on Aquaman, which I felt like they were right on the money. <laughs> so you know, it's it, it, it's funny how I got some of the shrapnel, you know, from that just by coming to her defense. So it's, yeah, yeah, they're pretty rabid. They're it's, pretty rabid.
0: It's in the it's in the culture.
1: Yeah. yeah.
0: It's part of the culture now. Uh it, there's there's really no discerning in terms of public public tone and discourse. There's mm-hmm. really no discerning that kind of thing from yeah. you well know, it's it's if if you don't agree with me then you know, I'm gonna crucify you. Yes. And every time every time I see that shit I'm like I I wish people would grow up. I mean who cares? Why why wouldn't you? Why would you get personally offended if someone has a different opinion of something than you do?
2: I know that's what, an what alien concept. To, what me. happened
0: to the what happened to the curiosity of wanting to seek that out? Which I think is an essential function of criticism. Seek out those different opinions. They won't all be valid. You'll be able to tell a writer from a non. Well, uh, you know, if you're smart enough, someone who has a valid yeah. point of view from some you know everybody's in a cocoon mhm and which is what fox lux is about it all comes yes. back
1: nice uh, nice circle around there uh, yeah Ugh. very good anyway. well anyway we yeah, we couldn't not, we could not uh not mention the uh, big elephant in the proverbial room which would be the avenger so
2: so and there we did we we're,
1: we're
0: we're talking we're talking earlier that, you know, three hour movie and it's not, you know, some David Lean thing kind of rolling <laughs> your eyes at that, but, <clears throat> but the self-importance of it, but, you know, I'm sure it's a good, I'm sure it's a good, entertaining, rousing movie. You know, if I were, <clears throat> if it was my first thought to go see those movies, I'd be there <clears throat> and I might still go. But, yeah. um, so I'm not saying that it's a, it's a piece of shit or anything just to be contrarian. Because I haven't seen it, and it might be very good,
2: mm-hmm. but it
0: won't be. <clears throat> I'm 45 year old man. It won't be life changing for me because no. I, I I don't I don't feel like living as a child again. I I I understand. I'm a I'm an adult. There's no escaping that.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and I I, I don't want to. Um... Uh, Escape from my adulthood. I like I like to you know, and and I know I get taken to task a lot because I give negative reviews to a lot of these Marvel movies because they just seem like the same old same old. And you know I like movies that help me to grow as a human being. You know that give me insight into the human condition. And things of that nature, and I just can't—I don't get that from. I mean, escapism has its place, and it's fun every now and then. But but it's like a, di- a steady diet of candy to me. If you eat candy, you know, constantly, then your body is eventually just going to completely implode upon itself. And and the, and the same goes with feeding your brain a, a, a diet of of can of cinematic candy. If you don't get something that has some substance there occasionally, you know you're you're not really you're just kind of in this you're existing you're not really growing and I don't know I sound probably New Agey or something I don't know but uh, you know that's
0: no just, I mean I understand and 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 it's harder and harder to see movies as an art form when uh, when you're just fed candy movies can take any shape and it just just like any art form can.
2: Mhm. Um
0: and so and, and escapism is is part of that, but it's just part of that. It's not the it's not the whole thing. So it, it, if if you're limiting yourself, and I there's a lot of escapist movies that I like a lot and I do I do watch a lot of escapism movies. Um but but you know, uh it's not my entire diet, so you know movies can go in any direction, and and some are more n- nourishing than others. Um, yes, like you were saying, you know you yes. got abstract abstract movies. I mean, just think of painting. Like any time somebody brings up to me that the movie didn't have a plot, it was, and I, I'm like, well, it didn't set out to have a plot. It was. Mm-hmm. It's a. Th- this particular movie is about creating an impression of something,
2: mm-hmm. a
0: feeling of something, you know, yes. an artist's vision of something. It's not about we got to get from point A to point B plot wise. Can be so much more than that.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah, I mean the the possibilities are limitless, and if you're you're limiting yourself, if the only thing you, you you see is is the escapism, and you know, like I said, a diet of a cinematic diet should be diverse, in my opinion, and I guess that's what I'm getting at. And uh, I just see, uh, the older I get, I see uh, um, less and less of people who are seeking things out, you know, because I've had my mind blown at so many. So many great film experiences over the years, and I and I'm constantly seeking out. You know, I want to to find those mind blowing experiences. I uh, you know, and and yeah. occasionally I still do. I I still do. They're they're becoming rarer and rarer. I admit, but uh, but but they do happen. And I mean,
0: hell, I still watch. I, I you know, I, I watch a lot of movies, but and I just rewatched Superman three the other day, and knowing <laughs> that it's ter- knowing that it's terrible. But I was like, yeah, I will have fun. I'll watch this for a little bit. And it's a terrible movie. That what a weird yeah. movie. It's like they've <laughs> had a Superman movie, and then they said, oh, we got Richard Pryor. He'll be a big draw. We've got to make this a Richard Pryor movie now. And it's yeah. such a schizophrenic movie. And and so since it's so schizophrenic, that whole good Superman versus evil Superman actually fits the schizophrenia <laughs> of the movie's yes. identity. Yes,
1: agreed. Yeah, it's uh, it is a strange movie, and it begins, opens with. I remember seeing it in a theater when I was, oh, I guess I turned thirteen that summer, and I saw it, and I just remember thinking how strange that uh, that opening uh, uh, slapstick ballet is uh-huh. in that film, and I thought, boy, we're we're on to this is we're the Superman franchise is heading into a different direction with this one, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and it did, it did, it did. So, yeah. Oh
0: gosh, and Robert Vaughn is the villain, and man, he could he could chew some damn scenery. That guy. Oh yeah. And, you know Robert Vaughn and Richard Pryor in a scene together—it's it uh... is mm-hmm. <laughs> super bad. Yeah. Like cocaine was powerful back in the eighties. It was a powerful. Yeah. Film.
1: It was powerful enough to uh to uh to set Richard Pryor on fire.
2: So. <laughs>
0: I'm yeah. sure Richard Pryor had some bills to pay with that. That's why he signed out for that money. Oh,
2: yeah. Yes.
0: Which is fine. Well, Which is fine.
2: Yeah.
0: Okay. It works. Let's do Blu-rays.
1: <laughs> All right. Yes, we'll get to it. We'll start with a couple of Arrow releases. One of them is Kioma from 1976. This, uh, this is a spaghetti western with the legendary Franco Nero, the star of the original Star of Django, the the first the original Django from the 60s and it's a he's a half-breed gunfighter who returns from the killing fields of the Civil War to find his hometown riddled with the plague and its inhabitants terrorized by a tyrannical gang leader played by Donald O'Brien and uh this is a cult film of course um has a lot of new extras, uh, new subtitles, um new interviews with Franco Nero uh, there's a documentary on the Twilight of the Spaghetti Western because obviously this was at the tail end of that genre, that cycle of films so what, uh, Kiyoma 76 76 uh, oh, wow. so uh, Kioma from Arrow and another Arrow release is Scared Stiff from 1987 and this one oh. stars uh, an actor who frequently comes up in conversation on this show Andrew Stevens <laughs> And uh, anyway, this is uh, uh, a couple, about a couple terrorized by an age-old curse, and, uh, and it's an, uh, considered an underrated late 80s offering. It's directed uh, by Richard Friedman. Uh, Singer moves into an old colonial mansion with her son and psychologist boyfriend, played by Andrew Stevens. They make a strange and gruesome discovery in the boarded-up attic, and it becomes clear the mansion carries with it a dark and blood-stained past. Um there's an image gallery and um, documentary here, believe it or not, uh, new audio commentary. So um, Scared Stiff, this horror film. Yeah, you know, the games. first thing
0: I thought of was when you said that, I was getting confused with Scared Straight.
2: It's so a totally, <laughs> yeah, different, totally the,
0: different movie. Uh, there's totally. actually a Jerry Lewis movie called Scared Stiff too. From the there
1: is. That's exactly right. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So
0: do not confuse this one with N- those.
1: No. Not at all. So we have the Dick Cavett Show Inside the Minds of. This is a third volume that, uh, and this is MVD uh, Visual. Who uh, I think that's the company. Um, no, it's Smore Entertainment. Sorry. This one has uh, full episodes. Uh, there's a Red Fox from July 14, 1969. Dick Gregory from uh, June 72 and August 90. Eddie Murphy from November 85 and Richard Pryor. There he is again from December 1985. So it's a new a uh, set of Dick Cavett's, uh, the Dick Cavett Show, uh, collection, Inside oh. the Minds of Volume Three. So there's, they're putting these out, and they're uh, they're pretty pretty fun to have, fun to watch these interviews. So um, yeah, but they anyway, are. I, yeah, I, I like really this are.
0: show because of all the 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 access and kind of the relaxed, conversational <laughs> nature of them. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh,
0: and. Uh, I, but I don't know quite how. I, I think the Cavett was just right time, right place. And yeah, I think you're right. He, because I, I don't necessarily think he was particularly a great interviewer.
2: hmm. Yeah, he. Um... I mean,
0: and that might be sacrilege for some people, but I, I think they confuse the fact that maybe he had a forum where people felt comfortable coming on. Mm-hmm. And by allowing people to sit together for an hour and a half on the same stage, some memorable things just happened. by you know, by the nature yeah. of the situation, but I, I don't necessarily think it's any particular gift of his because a lot of times it's pain. He's painful for me to listen to because he thinks <laughs> he's funny and he's not.
1: This is uh yeah I I think you're I think you got a good point. Yeah, it's uh, but yeah, some of the guests you have are just pretty amazing, and uh, you yeah. know, so I I think that's that's the thing. The nostalgia factor is what plays into it for us, but for sure. But
0: yeah, and you get uh, you yeah, absolutely, and you get Gore Vidal and and um, what's that, what's the writer's name, uh, Norman Mailer, on the oh, stage yeah. together, and they start fighting. I mean, that's just gold. It doesn't really even matter if Cabot's there. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is very true. So, uh we got a couple of these Kino releases. We're always talking about them. They uh they're they're trotting out all the Touchstone Pictures releases. Remember we have talked about those a couple of times and here's another one, Green Card from 1990 with Andy McDowell and uh Peter Jordan Weir. Du. Yeah, Peter Weir. Mhm. Yes.
0: Wow. Peter we- a Peter Weir romantic comedy. That's exactly the kind of shit you want Peter Weir doing.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. Uh yeah, a strange combination, romantic comedy in, in green and Peter Weir and it's interesting because the same day that was April the 2nd, uh Picnic at Hanging Rock was reissued by Criterion. Another Peter Weir movie, of course, so that would be an interesting double feature, the uh, <laughs> Green Card and Picnic at Hanging uh, Rock. So
2: yeah, yeah it's Peter
0: good. Weir, man, I, it's such, he's you know he's got a couple of really great movies yeah, on his resume, and overall mm-hmm. a very strong director. He just he he decided to try his hand a romantic comedy for Disney. Is that yeah. a touchstone, right?
1: It is. It in is car. a touchstone picture. Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: I mean it's you know disposable pap, but in, you know uh, tolerable at least. I saw it in the theater and thought it was you know it was perfectly. Like I said, it wasn't anything I hated, it wasn't anything I really took to, but you know, it was okay. But another keynote release is the nineteen eighty nine film, Tom Selleck, Innocent an Innocent Man with mm. F. Murray Abraham also starring. And um to yeah. bring it back to Andy McDowell, here's another keyno release, Unstrung Heroes with John oh, yeah. Isn't
0: that Diane Keaton? Diane Keaton directed that?
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah, Michael Richards is in it as well.
0: So, yeah,
1: yeah those are a couple of a couple of Kino releases that are worth noting. Um,
0: Tom, Tom Feller kept doing movies back in that period of time. He had yeah. quite a few movies.
1: Yeah. He really did. And...
0: Yeah.
1: And then he finally actually kind of made a splash with in and out I mean, that was the one that kind right. of finally kind of connected with people there. Um
0: but yeah the, uh, I did watch I did watch a Tom Selleck movie the other week. I would never seen Lasseter and it was on like the MGM mm-hmm. channel so I T-voted it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And uh it's not it's not a very good movie, but it it it's got nice uh it feels like a period movie. I mean it's got nice yeah. art direction.
2: Hmm.
1: Interesting. Interesting to note. Well, Criterion has also issued the Fantastic Mr. Fox. From 2009, Ooh. Wes Anderson. Who did animated? Uh, that's a Criterion release. Oh wow! And a lot of new, a lot of new extras on there for people who are uh, fans of, who are Wes Anderson completists and fans of, in general, of Fantastic Mr. Fox. That has been issued. Um, uh, the documentary on Hal Ashby has also been issued on physical media on Blu-ray. Uh, that finally came out. It's from. Um, let me see what the label is on that. Oscilloscope has issued that,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and they were the theatrical distributor too, I believe. But um, yeah. anyway, it's worth so oh, yeah, it sure is. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is worth. Ta- seeing talking
0: seeing about that. talking about movies that mattered, that engaged in the mm-hmm. times that they were made. You can't get better than can't get better than Hal Ashby or Robert Altman.
1: I know. Yeah. That's true. And thankfully, next month, um, they're finally rectifying a wrong Kino is. We'll tease a little bit here. And the only Hal Ashby film to not be available on Blu-ray is The Landlord. And we're finally getting an issue of the 70s films that is. And uh, we're fi- that's finally getting a Blu-ray release next month, so
0: for whatever Ooh. it's
1: worth. Yeah.
0: So all of all of his major canon will be will be out there. Mhm. Yeah. It's all
1: available now. So here's a Scream Factory release, and we're moving to April 9th. This is The Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, which uh, is a hammer. uh, It's kind of a mishmash of kung fu and um, horror film, uh, obviously with the vampires in the title. It has uh, Peter Cushing and uh, John Forbes Robinson in this. And there's a new 2K two, two scan of the original film elements, new audio commentary with uh, Bruce Hallenbach, new interview with Hong Kong film expert Rick Baker, uh, not the Ooh. makeup, Rick Baker, I don't think. And there's an alternate U.S. theatrical version of it called The Seven Brothers Meet Dracula, TV spot, still gallery, theatrical trailer, so uh, for any fans yeah. of The Seven uh, the Legend of the Seven Golden Vampires, well, that's been issued by Scream Factory. A um, couple more Criterion release releases to Jim Jarmusch films, Stranger Than Paradise and Night on Earth. Both of those have been issued by Criterion as well on April
2: 9th. And it's a good,
0: good lead up to his new movie coming out, the zombie yes. movie.
1: The zombie coming film. What is the, what is the name of that again? I'm drawing a blank. The, uh,
0: the Dead Don't Die. That's Correct. Yes. Opening night film at Cannes. Mhm. This year.
1: Yeah. One more Arrow release that I failed to mention the Iguana with the Tongue of Fire, which is a 1971 Italian uh horror film. So I just wanted to wow. get that one out there. What a title. One of those I know, right? This is one I wasn't familiar with, but uh you know, Arrow does a good job with these with these uh, Giallo type films, so just wanted to get that out there for anybody who's in it, who's interested. A pair of, uh, of Charles Bronson films from the early 70s. In fact, 1970. These are both being issued by Kino: "Rider on the Rain" and "Cold Sweat," uh, uh. which is being released separately by Kino. But um, nevertheless, and. Um, Kino has also opted to, to release these three titles uh, separately. Of course, Emmanuel, Emmanuel Two, and Goodbye Emmanuel.
2: <laughs>
1: so anybody who uh, has a hankering for some soft core porn from the mid seventies,
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, and we do mean hankering. Uh, but <laughs> yeah, it's keep uh <laughs> jokes, keep jokes, folks. Uh, yeah, Emmanuel uh, is uh, the, those two the first two films feature really terrific scores if nothing else. Of course Sylvia Christel is in uh, all three of those, but uh, the uh, the scores for both both of those films are um I, I know it's Francis Lay did the score for the second one, but it's um I I'm I'm am I'm drawing a blank on the guy who did the score for the uh the first one. But wow, what are uh, those are just two of the best film scores, I think, yeah. uh, ever in my opinion.
0: <clears throat> yeah, you can kind of, you can put those scores on and <clears throat> kind of sit back and feel like you want to <clears throat> drink a <laughs> like drink hot tea from a cup or something, and you're looking out over Paris or something. I
2: mean, exactly, that's what those yeah. scores
0: make you, evoke in you. Yep. The whole feeling. It's very Parisian, very mm-hmm. sophisticated, erotica kind of thing. With the,
2: yeah, basically really. Basically
0: not not very representative of the actual quality of the movie that they're in, but <laughs> it's, I don't remember the uh, Pierre... movies. I remember it used to come on Cinemax a lot, but I, I, I never sat and watched one of those front to back.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I saw the second one. I don't think I've ever seen the first one, tell you the truth, and I didn't get review copies, so I uh, I guess I'll just have to do without. But um, yeah, uh, Pierre Bacalat was the composer of the score for the original So, yeah, we have a a Warner Archive release here from 1958 called Frankenstein 1970, (laughs) but made in 1958. It's Boris Karloff, and it's it's one of these meta movies where they're making a a horror film inside of a castle and there are murders going on. So there's uh yeah, it's it's kind of meta before there were meta films, if you know what I mean, right? Allied Artists was the uh, distributor on this, and of course Warner, uh, now, Warner Brothers ha- now has the um, the distribution rights to all the Allied Artists titles, and so they put this one out. I don't think there are any. There's a commentary by historians Charlotte Austin, Bob Burns, and Tom Weaver, but that's it. It's the only extra on it. Oh. So I wanted to uh, wanted to mention that Frankenstein, 1970, and the 2007 film with Don Cheadle, Talk to Me, has been issued by Shout Select. Uh, it's one of their titles, interesting, um, so yep, and another arrow title, this one uh directed by Alan Renee, Mellow, which I'm not really familiar with uh it's about these um two celebrated concert violinists who uh kind of fall in love, I think, but um oh. anyway, I like I said, not really familiar with the title, but Alan Renee fans will immediately know what I'm talking about.
0: So I just wanted to
1: mention that um, I know uh,
0: I know mellow yellow I know that. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I do too. I do as well. So um so we're moving right along with other titles from April the 9th and we let's see. I think that might be all the April 9th titles, the catalog titles anyway. There are some fairly recent ones that that were also issued but we'll not get into all that. And then April 12th we had um the uh, speaking of uh, porn films and such, Fantasex from 1976 has been issued by Command Video. A shy, sex-obsessed young man and a plain young woman both work for a publisher of dirty books, but when the two of them get tired of being pushed around at work, they turn to violence against their employer and his secretary to get revenge. So it's kind of, um, looks like a softcore, I think. A super sexual escape it, it's billed as. So that's wow. uh, that's that's. It was released on April 12th. Then we moved to April 16th with the Karate Kid, uh, the original 1984 Karate Kid, 25th uh, or 35th anniversary, I guess. Uh, 4K. It's being issued on 4K. And so if you want to get the upgrade on the Karate Kid, it's now available. Uh, and the 1982 horror film superstition
0: has been issued by. You know, what, one thing, one thing, and then we'll get back to superstition. Oh, sure. There was a great, there was a great 25th. I mean, we just—I uh, can't remember if I. We're about to post a 25th, 35th anniversary show on the Karate Kid uh, mm-hmm. next week with the screenwriter of the Karate Kid. Uh, but there was a great oral history of that, and one of the online magazines and I read through it and it's, it's kind of, uh, it is amazing. I mean, it is a very, very good movie, but there's no reason why that movie, sh- they should have expected it to work. Mm-hmm. I mean, cause uh, uh, nobody, everybody was like, you're casting Pat Morita. Uh, and, yeah. and Pat Morita, Pat Morita made that role iconic. Since the movie became so popular, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, but, but there was no reason to believe that Pat Morita could do that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: You're casting the guy from Happy Days to play Mr. Miyagi. It's like, okay. They almost took it less seriously because he was in it. And then Mm -hmm. in retrospect, he's the reason why, the main reason why people uh, love that movie so much. Yes. He's so endearing in it.
1: Yeah, totally agree. And uh he's he's one of the the things that people remember the most about it actually. So, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Yeah,
1: sure does.
0: Superstition. Mhm.
1: Yeah, Superstition from 1982. This is a uh... It's about an old house that where a series of ghastly accidents have occurred near the site where a witch drowned centuries earlier. And then there's an alcoholic min- minister and his family move into the cursed residence, and well, you can imagine what happens next. It's produced by Mario Kasser and Andrew Andrew Vajna Ooh. or Vanya that we speak of, who later on went to do uh, form Carico Pictures. And uh, he just died you know, the it,
0: past year, right?
1: Yes, he did. Yes, uh, James Houghton Albert Salmi. Uh, there in this. So 1982, it does. Uh, I'm sure it has a cult following. Scream Factory release, but just want to mention superstition. Uh, another one from 1978, being released by Scream Factory, is the Manitou. How about this? You remember this one from? Uh, this is the one about the uh, the infamous film where the woman played by Susan Strasberg has a a tumor growing out of the back of her neck, which turns out to be an uh, ancient Indian medicine man. It's a fetus of an ancient Indian medicine man and his uh yeah the reincarnation rather of a of a indian medicine man it's the fetus it's 400 years old and and uh michael ansara shows up he's a he's a uh, native american who knows something about this and he shows up to help cure her and her her ex-husband is played by tony curtis in the movie and there's burgess meredith in there and uh and southern turns up at some point and just. This is a wild and crazy movie. Stella Stevens, I think, shows up, too. Um, it actually is pretty effective uh, to the point where I showed it to my daughter when she was a kid, and she was really freaked out by it. Uh, but it gets progressively sillier as it goes on, and there's some sort of climax in the hospital where they're actually in outer space, but yet they're still in the, ho- the hospital beds floating around, and it's it just... Uh, I can't really do it justice by... Uh, my description is not going to do it justice. It just... It's a really gonzo film that just kind of has to be seen to be believed and it's it's been notoriously known as one of these terrible films from the but it's not as bad as it's it's bad but it's enjoyable bad if that makes any sense and I'm really glad they put it out actually um like I said, a screen factory release, uh, 2K 2K scan of the original film elements, and new audio commentary and interview with the uh, executive producer and the uh, author of the book on which it's based, Graham Masterson. Theatrical trailer, TV spots. So uh, the Manitou, uh, I would recommend. So that, interesting, actually.
0: so interesting. Susan Strasberg. I mean, she was the the daughter of obviously Lee Strasberg, who was the yeah um, you know, the he was the figurehead, at least mm-hmm. in terms of American acting, for the teaching of method acting, yeah. <clears throat> of the Stanislavski method, and and every time I hear about, uh, and obviously a great screen actor in his own right, just the impression that he made in the Godfather, too, but uh, not so much in Justice for All, but uh, but <laughs> so I th- I think about Su- when I think about Susan Strasberg, <clears throat> and you mentioned that movie. I'm like, oh, how 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 odd, someone from such a revered acting family to appear as the lead in a movie like that, but also Susan Strasberg is inextricably linked to Marilyn Monroe. She's even in um, the uh, uh, My Week with Marilyn. Is that the one with Kenneth Branagh as Olivier? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. yeah. Because uh, Strasberg is the one that's with. Marilyn on set of that movie, *The Prince and the Showgirl*, giving mm-hmm. her constant guidance and stuff, and actually getting in the way. Uh, I mean, they were so uh, a part of Marilyn Monroe's life; they were almost constant uh, chaperones.
1: Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, it's it, it is kind of curious why she would uh, appear in this film, and maybe it's maybe it looked good on paper, and it just. Fell apart when they were doing it. Who knows? But uh,
2: yeah, I mean, nevertheless, you, know, you could you you could be
0: a lot of teachers don't actually have careers in what they teach.
1: That's true. Yeah,
0: <laughs> she could. She could have wanted to have a film career. I just want to do a yeah. movie. You know, she died fairly young too of breast cancer. So uh, I remember that in nineteen ninety 1990, nineteen ninety nine
1: she passed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, quite quite a quite a quite an attractive actress too, I might say. So yeah, she was. But um, anyway, another Criterion release is Diamonds of the Night, 1964. And this um, this is a uh, – it's about two Jew- – it's a foreign film. Two Jewish boys escape from a train transporting them from con- one concentration camp to another, and they are hunted down by a group of old armed home guardists. Um, it's so, yeah, I'm not- I wasn't familiar with this. Jan Niemick is the director. So I'm not sure what the country of origin is, but uh, Diamonds of the Night, Criterion release. and um, The James Stewart film Bend of the River has been released by keynotes at Western, of course, Julia Adams and Arthur Kennedy, and even Rock Hudson from 1952. And uh, Universal has issued Smokey and the Bandit 2 uh, and 3, believe it or not. Uh, unfortunately, and 3? Yes, huh. and 3, both. 2 and 3. Uh, separately, separately. But uh, Smokey and the Bandit 3 is the film that was infamously shot, you know, uh, with uh, Jackie Gleason playing both parts. And then they scrapped it because it was too confusing. He played the Bandit and Sheriff Buford T. Justice, and then they scrapped it because it was too confusing for the audiences. So they went back and reshot all the scenes with Jerry Reed playing the Bandit. And, of course, Burt Reynolds did a cameo at the end of it. But if you go on YouTube, you can actually find a theatrical trailer that says Smokey is the Bandit. So you can actually oh, wow. find, yeah, you can you can see that online. It's the only surviving footage there is of
0: it.
2: Uh, Barrels was
0: suppose- very very funny very funny talking about Jackie Gleason
2: because uh-huh. he he
0: loved having Jackie Gleason on that movie and it was a great honor to have him on there. But he was one of those actors uh, that you had to arrange things in a way that you shot his stuff at a certain mm-hmm. time of day. To allow right. for his level of Ibiting. drunkenness before his. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like the same stuff you'd hear about uh, Richard Burton or something.
2: hmm.
1: Yeah. That sort of thing. Yeah, there's uh, so here's a documentary that uh, about Dan Curtis, the creator of Dark Shadows and so many iconic television films from the '70s, the original Night Stalker and its sequel Night Strangler, and the Jack Palance version of Dracula and Trilogy of Terror. But there's a oh. documentary about his life called The Master of Dark Shadows, and uh, that's been Interesting. by MPI. Yeah, I'd like to. I'd like to you see hear? That actually.
0: Did you Did you hear about the new documentary on the music of Laurel Canyon?
1: No, I have not.
0: It comes out. It comes out theatrically May twenty fourth or something. It's called.
2: Ooh.
0: It's called Echoes in the Canyon, and it's hmm. about how in a cer- certain period of time between nineteen sixty whatever and nineteen seventy whatever, uh, yeah. the world's music was defined in that area, in that zip code in Laurel Canyon. Uh, wow. And it's uh, Jacob Jacob Dylan, uh, Bob Dylan's son goes around and interviews all these people, we, uh, probably the last long form interview performer Tom Petty, uh you know, all all the all the living figures from that period of time in music and they all discuss what it was about the canyon that produced such great art. I'm like well, hmm. this is right up my alley.
2: Oh, the trailer's too, been yeah.
0: b- been posted everywhere. You should check out the trailer. It looks like really cool. it, you see the trailer and you're like, I want to watch this now. Right now. Yeah, right.
1: Okay. Well, I think you just sold me on that one, too.
0: Echo Very in the good. Canyon, which is also a euphemism for oral sex. I don't know if you're aware of that, but uh,
1: uh, it works both ways. I'm learning things all the time. How
0: naive <laughs> I've been. But it's not – How naive it's, I've it's been. It's not about a – it's not a movie about oral sex. I, I don't want people to get confused.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, the Shout Factory has issued Grave of the Vampire from 1972. This is a – uh well, you know the title pretty much says it, but it, it's interesting to note that it's written by David Chase, who later would create the Sopranos
2: oh, It stars oh. William
1: Smith and Michael Pataki or Pataki however you pronounce it so anyway, um just wanted to mention Grave of the Vampires there and the uh the nineteen thirty five film Becky Sharp has been issued by by uh kino Kino has issued that one. Uh, and then we get into Twilight is, Time titles. What is
0: Becky uh, Sharp? Is that a melodrama? Becky
1: Sharp. Yeah, it's uh, Miriam Hopkins. Uh, Becky and Amelia are girls at school together, but Becky is from a showbiz family, or in other words, very low class. She manages to insinuate herself in Amelia's family and gets to know all of her friends. She begins to run her own life, becoming sick, broken, lonely, and ruins the lives of many other loved ones. The first full-color, huh. three-strip Technicolor film. So... Really? Yeah, that, that I didn't know. Maybe it's worth seeing for that. So. The uh, the TV movie version of a uh, brief encounter, starring Sophie uh, Loren and Richard Burton, has been issued by Wow. Um, That's Scorpion releasing, yeah. Because that was remade for television in seventy four. So the brief, the TV version of Brief Encounter, and we get into Twilight Time titles. Have yep, some interesting ones here we have the Jonathan Demme film Melvin and Howard from 1980 Oh
0: wow, yeah. it has been issued. That's a
1: biggie. Yeah, and it uh, has new um I mean it has a couple special features, isolated music track of course, audio commentary with Demi and production designer Toby Rafelson, and uh, I'm sure this mm. is a, you know, an, a, an archive commentary, commentary because it'd be quite a feat if Demi was giving one from beyond the grave. Um, yeah, and... that would that
0: would be something wild. <laughs> good. You know, uh, <laughs> uh, good. Uh, I, well, Melvin Howard's a good movie, a really yeah, good movie. Uh, it sure
2: is.
0: And uh, I think about Pauline Kael's review when I think of that movie. And, and plus the real-life guy, the real-life Melvin, he just died recently.
1: He did. Hasn't been long. That's yeah. right. Yeah, this uh, includes also the original theatrical trailer, so I wanted to mention that. But uh, this is one of those um, universal titles because I've mentioned on the show that Twilight Time has acquired some of the Universal titles, and that's another one. Uh, We also have Three Coins in the Fountain from 1954, the CinemaScope film with uh, Clifton Webb, Dorothy McGuire, and Gene Peters and Louis Jordan and Rosano Brazzi. This is uh, one of those where they have three different stories about three gals looking for love, genre, that type thing. But this has uh, isolated music track audio commentary with uh, film historian Janine Basinger, Fox Movie Tone Newsreel, and the original theatrical trailers. And then we have The Snake Pit from 1948. And this is a the
2: uh-huh.
1: um, adaption of Mary Jane Ward's book, The Snake Pit. It's a portrait of a young woman who suffers a mental breakdown, is admitted to an institution, and what she goes through, it has Olivia de Havilland and Mark Stevens, Leo Ginn, Celeste Holm, and Glenn Langan, and directed by uh, Anatole Litvak. So 1948 Ooh. for that, and the 19. 1960- good, good job,
0: good job with those names. Good job. <laughs>
1: Thanks, dude. Uh, much obliged. And then we have the 1944 Cinemascope. Uh, I'm sorry, it's this um, Cinerama film. Um, I think it's Cinerama, no, Cinemascope. Sorry, uh, the remake of Stagecoach from 1966, which starred Ann Margaret, Red Buttons, Michael Connors, Alex Cord, Bing Crosby, Bob Cummings, Van Heflin, Slim Pickens, Stephanie Powers, Keenan Wynn. What a cast, right?
0: Mm. Uh,
2: this yeah. has uh and those,
0: those I... period of times where they had assemble these massive casts of
2: oh. Yeah. Oh yeah, those
1: out. And it has uh you know, it has isolated music track audio commentary with film historians Lee Pfeiffer and Paul Scrabo. So those are your Twilight Time releases, of course. And just wanted to get those out there. And um you know we're moving along uh, to I think uh, let's see what the next date we have here April 19th or, I'm sorry April 23rd Alien came out in 4K the original 1979 Alien has been released uh, in a 40th anniversary 4K edition so uh, yeah. I hear that it looks a pretty that, good
0: a movie that it's a movie that really never gets old it's it really true doesn't.
1: it's true it's very very true. But uh, another notable release for that same day that must be mentioned and must be paid attention to is the uh, – this is a terrific film. I'm sure a lot of our listeners are aware of it already, but in case you're not, a face in the crowd starring Andy Griffith and directed uh-huh. by Ilya Kazan. Like I said, this is a Criterion release, and this is the uh, the film about um, – the Rise and Fall of Larry Lonesome Rhodes: a boisterous entertainer discovered in an Arkansas drunk tank by Marcia Jeffries, played by Patricia Neal, a local radio producer with ambitions of her own, and of course he he becomes a big star and 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 then becomes very insufferable along the way, and she eventually exposes yeah. him for what he really is and it's just a very uh, prophetic film, I guess you would say yes. uh, uh, about, you could, you could uh, not
0: find a more you could not find a more prophetic movie. Uh, no. That, that's, that speaks to speaks to today. Yes. And we'll, we'll our, leave it at we'll leave it at that. But it, yes, it, will. it's it's so shocking for people that don't know Andy Griffith beyond the oh, shocks, uh personality that he had on TV for years. Uh, mm-hmm. Man, uh, his performance is set to ten uh, all the way through this movie. <laughs> oh <laughs> um, yeah, it's he, incredible. It, it's a revelation in his in his resume. It really is. Yeah, it
1: really is. It really is, and uh, it, it really, when you see his performance in this film, it's so good that you are instantly. Uh, you, I, I become sad to be honest, because it makes me sad because I realize what we lost when he got pigeonholed into the Andy Griffiths show because he's yeah. really an actor of a lot of range, and you just you kind of think to yourself, well, what could this guy have done had he not become that guy on television? You know, he. Yeah. There was so many. Uh, he had such potential. Same
0: to... time, yeah. At the same time, I, I don't know that he would necessarily have the same regrets. I, I've never That's heard you in an interview with with him where because I mean, he was beloved, and, and of course, he was, in yeah. in a way, in a way that few actors achieve. Yes. Between that and Matlock, and I think he, I think he's a lovely presence in that movie, Waitress. Oh, um, yeah. Terrific. Yeah, so he, he he still had a career to envy. Mhm.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And um so but you know, you can't help but wonder. It does make you wonder. Yeah. So, anyway, but uh Facing the Crowd has a new 4K digital transfer, new interview with Ron Briley, the author of The Ambivalent Legacy of Ilya Kazan. new interview with Andy mm-hmm. Griffith biographer Evan Dalton Smith. Facing the Past is a documentary from 2005 which features Griffith, Patricia Neal and Anthony Franciosa. And screenwriter Bud Schulberg and film scholars Leo Brody and Jeff Young in the trailer and there's the essay booklet. So uh, this is one of my recommendations for the month. Uh, it's a
0: really yeah, it's a good stellar, package.
1: Yeah, stellar, stellar. Um, they've done stellar work with this issue of A Face in the Crowd, Land Unknown and That's a good. Is one that's a
0: good. T- that's a good title, The Ambivalent Legacy of Ilya Kazan, for his <laughs> <father>. <laughs> yes,
1: yes, true, true, true. True words are never spoken. Um, so, the 1957 film, The Land Unknown, which is another one of these uh, universal horror films, Giant Monster on the Loose, Dinosaur in this case, that's um, been issued by Kino. Uh, also, House of Seven Gables was issued by Kino, as well as Scream and Scream Again, the uh, 1970 film with Vincent Price. And uh, mm. both of the Ace Ventura films were issued. Pet- Detective and When Nature Calls. Um, and Paradise Alley has been issued by uh, Shout Factory as a Shout Select title.
2: This, the Stallone uh, thing? Uh,
1: the Stallone film, yes, from 1978. Ah. So, uh, yeah, his one of the multiple follow-ups to Rocky, in between Rocky and Rocky Two, There was also Fist, I believe. and This was the other one, but I've never seen Paradise Alley, so I can't attest to the the quality of it, I don't know. But I remember when it came out, and I remember people yeah. clamoring to see what he was going to do next back then. Was, he,
0: was, that, was that a movie that he made before Rocky hit, or did he sign no, up for after. that after Rocky hit? Really? Yeah, it was
1: after. I'm sure he was inundated with so many offers, and they were throwing stuff at him left and right. I'm sure, but this was one of the ones he chose for whatever reason.
0: I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know why I always associated that with something he did before that they released after Rocky to capitalize on it. But maybe that's. Didn't he do a movie called The Lords of Flatbush that only got attention yes. after Rocky? Yeah,
1: it was after. Yeah. I mean, that was before. You're right. Yeah, that 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 was released before. As as was um, Death Race 2000. That was also before Rocky.
0: So both
2: of those. I just were...
0: rewatched. Uh, I, I rewatched it uh, last night. Uh, First Blood, because it had been so mm-hmm. many years since I'd seen seen the original rambo movie yeah, sure and it, it still holds up it's like you know it's like a good lean movie
2: yeah you sure.
0: know no frills a, a really good brian dennehy uh you know it's still an effective movie yeah
1: yeah sure what it sure is we we uh i recent i picked it up on 4k during a uh, thanksgiving sale this past uh, November, and my son had never seen it, and we watched it together. It, it is it's a lot of fun uh, to watch and revisit, uh, you know. So the and this is here's here's another great film. Unfortunately, there are no extras on this one, but I want to mention it. Uh, it's one of those Sony On Demand releases, Modern Romance from 1981 oh. with Albert Brooks and Catherine Harold. Uh, no extras on this one, but um, hmm. I don't know the. Uh, the movie itself might be worth worth the uh the price of admission so to speak because this is a great great I would movie, have thought I that think.
0: I would have thought that would have been pressed already with commentary from Brooks well
1: it has been issued um in the UK I'm trying to think of the label that put it out but uh, not in America and in, when it came to, I guess that Sony didn't have the rights to the extras that were on the uh the Indicator Films is the label that released it in the UK. So, that's, they a didn't really, have the re- that's
0: a really good that's a really good sharp movie about relationships.
1: Oh, yes. Yes.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, It's a good good insightful movie.
1: Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. I yes.
0: I, I did a, I watched a trio of Albert Brooks movies cuz I watched the um the one he did about the the t- TV documentary on the family. What was that one called? Uh, uh, Real, Real life. Real life. Real life. I watched Real Life, Modern Romance, and uh, Lost in America. And I know Lost in America is the one that gets all the praise, but the one of the three that I responded most to was Modern Romance.
1: Oh, I do too. I, I respond stronger to that.
0: And uh, you know, just a couple other things here.
1: The Brain is uh is a release from. Uh, Scream Factory, another one of their releases, this one's from uh, 1988 imagine a pulsating mass of grey matter expanding in size and strength as it takes control of human minds and devours human bodies this one has um, Cindy Preston, David Gale Tom Brejnahan I'm not sure I know any of these actors but I remember seeing this title on the video shelves in my local store I never did see it, but um, supposedly it has cult followings. I don't know. And there's uh, the 1955 film Tarantula. Oh, yeah. um, This one's a Scream Factory release, of course, with um, Leo G. Carroll and John Agar and directed by Jack Arnold. It's a lot of fun. You know, uh, There's a new commentary here with film historians Tom Weaver and Dr. Robert J. Kiss and David Schechter and theatrical trailer and still gallery. So... uh,
0: Dr. Robert of, J Kiss.
1: I know I'd like to know about that what that's all about but I have no huh. idea. Can't tell you.
0: They got a P they got a PhD in there to give a commentary on a
2: <laughs>
0: a nuclear insect movie? That's interesting.
2: <laughs> well,
1: Vinegar Syndrome has a, a title out called Skin Flicks. from 1978 a young director's a struggling filmmaker making hardcore features for the mob. His latest feature, he hopes, will be his big break into the world of mainstream filmmaking. But will the mafia follow him to realize his dream? This one is directed by Gerard Damiano. I think he's the same director as oh, the original. Oh, I spit deep on your throat. grave. Yeah, or oh, yeah. Oh, Gerard okay.
0: Damiano. No, 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 yeah. no you're right. Uh, 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 it's a totally different guy that did I spit on your grave. And I interviewed yeah. him. Gerard Damiano rings a bell because you're right. He did Deep Throat. Then he did a movie called Legacy of Satan, which was the first movie featuring Krista Helm. So, oh, wow. Yeah, uh, yeah. 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 So I, I, that's where I know that name from. Yeah. Yeah.
2: This, oh, this has James. And here's, here's the eerie
0: thing. Here's the eerie thing about Legacy of Satan. And Legacy of Satan, uh, Krista Helm's character gets stabbed to death.
2: Oh, wow.
1: <laughs> it's
0: prophetic. That is. Eerie. Prophetic.
1: Oh, gosh. Yeah, you know, that is weird. Well, Jamie Gillis is the star of this one. She was in a lot of those films back in the 70s, and uh, so uh, she turns up in a lot of those things. But yeah, uh, the 1992 film Cuffs, starring Christian Slater, and I think Mela Jovovich. That's a Shout Select title. And um, then we have uh, a pair of Jackie Chan films from Criterion, Police Story and Police Story 2. Uh, two of his, um, you know, his his foreign efforts that made it stateside, yeah. and then the first 4K title to be released by Kino, uh, their first 4K catalog title is Hannibal. Of all the titles they could have picked, they decided to go with Hannibal. So, uh, so uh, and we're talking about the sequel to yeah. Silence of the Lambs, of
0: course. Yeah, you know, there's some there's something that bothers me, but I mean. Hannibal's not great. It's mm-hmm. it's directed by, with, with a lot of style, as you'd expect from Ridley Scott, but it always bothered me that he cuts his own hand off to get away from her. Yeah. And I, I'm like, why didn't you just cut the chain that links the handcuffs?
1: Yeah, exactly. That's true. That's <laughs> a good, excellent point.
0: Did nobody, like, maybe it's, uh, symbolic, like he'll, he'll give up a limb. To I, I, I don't know, but it it was such a like a simple thing. Like you don't have to cut your hand off, dude. You're you're, you're supposed to be brilliant. Take that cleaver yeah. and stuffer the chain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is true. Maybe I I've, maybe I've missed something uh, thematic. Great point.
1: Well, the 1979 film My Brilliant Career has been issued by Criterion. Um, that's uh, directed by Gillian Armstrong. So for... Uh, yeah. anybody, and um, So we have that. And then there's a documentary on Miyazaki. Uh, y- 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 Miyazaki, I'm sorry. I'll get it out. Uh, yeah, the director of Spirited Away, Princess Mononoke, and My Neighbor Totoro. There's a documentary on him oh. that's been issued by Shout Factory. It's called The Never-Ending Man. And... Um, so there's there's that, and then there's a couple other fairly recent titles that Shout Factory's put out that might be of interest. Blaze, the uh, biopic directed by Ethan Hawke of Blaze Foley. That has been oh, issued, yeah. and the, uh, the Japaname film A Silent Voice has been issued, which is uh, based on the critically acclaimed manga by, and I'm going to massacre this name, uh, Yoshitoki Uama. So <laughs> anyway, there you go, so... Yeah, I think that pretty much takes care of all the Blu-ray titles, the catalog titles anyway, from the month of of April. Except for, oh, there's one more, a Warner Archive release, Summer Stock, starring Gene Kelly and Judy Garland. I almost forgot that Ooh. one. It's a musical, of course. And um, this one is directed by Charles Walters, and Eddie Bracken's also in it, and Phil Silvers and Marjorie Main. So, um, you know. Very good. There you go. So we'll end it on that note, I guess. And that pretty much takes care of all the all the Blu-rays for the month of
0: April. Well, thank you, dude. did a strong, oh, yeah. professional
4: job, as usual. <laughs> Some people stay far away from the door If there's a chance of it opening up They hear a voice in the hall outside and hope that it just passes by. Some people live with the fear of a touch and the anger of having been a fool. They will not listen to anyone so nobody tells them a lie protecting yourself I know you're thinking of somebody else someone who hurt you but I'm not above making up for the love you've been denying you could ever feel I'm not above doing anything to restore your faith if I can Some people See through the eyes of the old Before they ever get a look at the young I'm only willing to hear you cry Because I am an promise they hear in the dark Because they only remember too well they heard somebody tell them before Some people sleep all alone every night instead of taking a lover to bed Some people find that it's easier to hate than to wait anymore can keep you alive I'm not above going through it again I'm not above being cool for a while if you're cruel to me I understand some people run from a possible fight some people figure they can never win and although This is a fight I can lose The accused is an innocent man your decision, but I'm not below anybody I know If there's a chance of resurrecting a love I'm not above going back to the start To find out where the heartache began Some people hope for a miracle cure Some people just accept the world as it is I'm not willing to lay down and die Because I am an innocent man